Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Today I have the amazing Sonia Sarkar. She is part of the Democracy Collaborative as consultant to the healthcare engagement team. She started there this year, 2018, most recently served as chief policy and engagement officer for the Baltimore City Health Department, overseeing multi-stakeholder community engagement, strategic planning, policy activities, and population health initiatives to address health inequity throughout the city. These are a lot of the topics that we touch on in the podcast, and Sonia has has taken a deep dive into them both in thought and practice. Previously, she was a director of provider solutions at Avia, a health system-led innovator accelerator, where she worked directly with hospital executive leadership to identify and incentivize innovative solutions to patient care. So for those of you that are entrepreneurs in the space wanting to get some insights, I think you're going to get plenty here today. So it's with great pleasure that I welcome Sonia to the podcast. Welcome, Sonia. Thanks so much, Saul. It's great to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on. Now, what did I miss in that intro that maybe you want to fill the guests in? Yeah, I think one of the things that I'm really excited to be part of right now is just engaging with different networks. So I'm currently a Robert Wood Johnson Foundation Culture of Health leader, and there I have the opportunity to be amongst dozens of really innovative thinkers and doers who are pushing the boundaries about we think about healthcare and health today. So I'm excited to dive into how we might be thinking about the those definitions in our everyday work and, um, you know, to speaking to a lot of what you guys are covering here on this podcast as well. That's fascinating. I'm sure those, uh, those meetings would be fascinating to attend and, and folks here today, you'll be able to get a little glimpse into the thought process. Um, so uh, as you, as you do what you do, Sonia, what is it that got you to the medical sector to begin with? When I was a public health undergraduate at Johns Hopkins, I grew really both fascinated, but also frustrated by the fact that you have one of the best healthcare institutions in the country, yet in the neighborhoods immediately surrounding that institution, you also have some of the worst health outcomes in the country. Mm -hmm. So a lot of folks think about Baltimore, they also have heard about or um, have seen statistics like the fact that in the early 2000s, our infant mortality rate was twice that of the national average, or um, some of your listeners might know that in certain neighborhoods in Baltimore, people can expect to live 20 years less than those who are living in other neighborhoods in Baltimore. Mm. And so what I really wanted to understand and get to the root of was, why was it that in this particular instance, the best that our healthcare system has to offer? still wasn't enough to actually deliver health. And so in my sophomore year, there was a program called Health Leads, which is a national social enterprise that was really focused on connecting the dots between clinical care and the social needs that patients might have. Health Leads really recognized that if you're prescribing an antibiotic, but the real issue is that the child or the family doesn't have food at home, then that medical treatment isn't going to go very far. And that frustrates both the patients, but also the physicians and the healthcare system and the hospital that's working so hard to get them better and to improve their health. So 
I joined Health Leads, was part of a co-founding team that was really focused on building the organization from the ground up. But most importantly, I spent a lot of time directly working with patients. So these were patients who lived in East Baltimore, which is a predominantly African-American neighborhood. Many of them had been navigating different complex systems their whole life. And they taught me a lot uh, about the fact that although I have so many friends and colleagues who are in medicine and and they're amazing. I am really most excited by and interested in how different organizations, different sectors outside of healthcare can work in partnership with the healthcare sector to think about how to move it upstream, um, how to position it best to be able to address some of these needs that folks are coming into our waiting rooms and our exam rooms with and ensure that we're actually getting to the health outcomes that our country deserves. That's very insightful, Sonia. And so, You definitely have been there and experienced the hardships through some of your work. So what would you say an example of the work you guys are doing now with uh, the organizations you're involved with to improve outcomes has been? Yeah, I've been really lucky uh, to work with an organization um, known as the Democracy Collaborative. They are the backbone organization to an initiative called the Healthcare Anchor Network, which is a collective of roughly 40 health systems across the country, representing hundreds of hospitals. And the network is really pushing the field forward on how we might think about uh, something like an anchor mission strategy. And what I mean by that is how do we engage healthcare institutions and in thinking about how to leverage their assets? So things like hiring, procurement, investing, all of these things that hospitals are doing, their local communities, and using that to identify the critical shifts that are needed um, in order to address inequities in health and other racial and economic inequities that might be within a particular community. So just an example of this is, you know, the network's done some amazing convenings that bring together from across distinctly different healthcare institutions. One of the accomplishments that they've been working on right now is thinking about how we capture the collective impact of healthcare anchor institution work across the country. So for example, collecting data on how healthcare institutions are leveraging their hiring practices so that Mm -hmm. it's not just about how many jobs are being created, but how many of those employees are local, how many are coming from underrepresented populations, what, for example, might be the full impact of making a place-based investment as a hospital in an issue like food or housing? And what is that looking like across the country? So that benchmarking is really one of a kind. And I think it speaks to the hunger, which the Healthcare Anchor Network recognizes uh, for not just engaging in anchor work or addressing social determinants of health because it's the right thing to do, but because it can have real impact on actually improving health outcomes across the board. Yeah, because as you improve communities, by way of that health improves in those communities, right? Exactly. I love that. Yeah. You know, I was, um, I was in a presentation or it was a conference a couple of years ago and the CEO of the Cook County hospitals, uh, had a presentation showing the zip codes here in the city mm-hmm. and of Chicago. And, you know, he showed how the further South you go, your life expectancy could drop by like 20 years. And he made a comment that still sits with me that genetic code may not be as strong as zip code. So what are we doing to improve that? And so your, your message to me just kind of brings me back to that. And it's a strong one. And you guys have some very granular ways of, of approaching it. 
Yeah, I think too, you know, social determinants of health have become much more prevalent as a term, as an issue within the sector. I think a lot of your listeners are familiar with that term. But for those who don't know, this idea that where we live and work and play has an impact on our health. This is something that has been around for a while, but I think is really taking hold in our new paradigm of value-based care. Uh, This idea that, you know, how safe and affordable our housing is or how healthy the food is that we eat, that this is also something that's part of healthcare. And there's a, you know, valid question for healthcare institutions to consider that. But one of the things that I also find really interesting is that I'm thrilled about this movement because I've been working in this space since I was 17 years old, essentially, um, when it was not seen as a nice to have. I I also think that in addition to it becoming this sort of hip focus for the healthcare sector, we also have to think about what are the different levels that healthcare institutions can plug in on social determinants of health. And so you have a wide spectrum, everything from, you know, even just asking patients if Mm -hmm. they need access to food or housing, all the way up to the anchor work that I was talking about with the Healthcare Anchor Network and the Democracy Collaborative. How do we think about the roles that healthcare can play as political influencer, as an employer, as a care provider? These are all things that I know are on the radars of a lot of healthcare leaders across the country. Mm-hmm. Oh, such a great perspective. And Sonia, what would you say? You've been through a lot, and and you know, especially with community-based leadership, a lot of setbacks happen. Can you share with us one that in particular that comes to mind and what you learned from that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, this is a throwback because it was one of the very first encounters I ever had with the healthcare uh-huh. system. It was working in a busy uh, pediatrics clinic um, in a part of East Baltimore and was working with a patient um, who had been in and out of the emergency room. Her young son um, had been suffering from blood poisoning and asthma exacerbations because of the quality of the housing that they were living in. And I was working with her to get the family uh, assessed for different types of resources that they might be able to get connected to. And it was really fascinating because we were filling out an application for some food assistance. We get get her connected to the right places within the city, whether they were, you know, locally run church organizations or whether it was, you know, federal food assistance. And I realized that I had never seen how complicated the applications were before. And so I was sitting there with the patient and, you know, struggling to make my way through it. And she took it from me and she said, don't worry, like, I'll walk you through it and I'll show you where are, um, you know, the places that people tend to get hung up and, you know, here are the ways in which um, you might want to think about having this conversation with other patients in the future. And for me, it was such an important, you know, here I was, this undergraduate from Johns Hopkins and steeped in the world of public health and healthcare, this important lesson around stepping back and creating space for the expertise of others. I think, you know, healthcare, as with many other sectors, has um, been built on this model of a heroic doctor. And, you know, while I'm not denying that healthcare professionals are pulling off amazing feats every day, I think we've seen that true innovation in health comes often from throwing unconventional teams of different disciplines together and really going to the heart of who's the end user for this system. And so just like we would never design a cell phone without doing a ton of user testing to make sure that it's essentially like a second skin for a consumer, we haven't quite gotten there in healthcare yet. And I think there's a lot of room for bringing patients into these conversations around what our healthcare system should look like. 
Love that. Yeah, it's such a great call out. And as we look to put things into place that make a difference, I think keeping it simple is definitely a driving factor. What about the other side of the coin, right? You shared with us a setback, but but how about one of your proudest medical leadership experiences to date? Yeah, about a month after I had gotten to the Baltimore City Health Department and settled into my role overseeing a lot of social determinants of health initiatives, we got news that the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Innovation were introducing this new accountable health communities model, uh, which I was so excited about because essentially the work that we were doing at the clinic level or at the local program level, but scaled. So the idea behind accountable health communities was that there would be 32 awards given out across the country to different health systems, community-based organizations to really think about how to screen and refer and navigate patients for social needs to different resources that they might need, but to do it at scale. So each site was required to think about screening 75,000 Medicaid and Medicare beneficiaries. And so while I was sort of caught up in my excitement about this, I also remember feeling really worried because particularly in a place like Baltimore, it wasn't that this work wasn't already being done. It was that it was often fragmented. There were different pilots that had gone gone underway and there wasn't a central infrastructure to bring all of that together. So we decided that we would use the AHC process to actually pull all of the local hospitals, so seven health systems, 13 hospitals, to the table alongside community based partners alongside government agencies and think about how we could build an approach to social determinants of health that was truly comprehensive from a strategy perspective and from a technology perspective. And so that was really exciting. We actually got memorandums agreement from all of the different healthcare institutions to work nice. with one another to you know be in collaboration. Uh, there's still a significant road ahead for the initiative, but I think it's a really great example of what this can look like um, when there's that intentional thought put to it. Oh, for sure. And uh, kudos to you for getting everybody to agree to play together. I think that is oftentimes difficult, you know, like, I mean, information exchange, data availability from one system to the next. I think at least being able to get it, the group of provider stakeholders together to to work together on how to address uh, the social determinants of health is key. So were there any programs uh, developed or insights gained from the process or? Yeah. One of the insights that we took away was how desperately the health systems wanted a common table to be able to come together, particularly around uh, data and information exchanges you were just talking about. So in this particular instance, uh, Baltimore was using a health information exchange that allowed hospitals to see clinical information across different patient sites. So if a patient was at Hopkins one day and then the University of Maryland Medical Center the next day, they could see whether that patient had been in and out of the emergency room or what prescriptions they were taking, what they couldn't see was the social health information. And so we had a really interesting conversation about what it would look like to create a portal that is not just one part of the patient experience, but is comprehensive to the patient so that different case managers and different physicians across Baltimore's uh, various healthcare providers could be on the same page about what patients were experiencing. And that was something that came very tangibly out of the design conversations that we had during this process. Wonderful. Yeah, what a, what a great tool to, to have at your disposal. I know that most cities in the U.S. don't have that. So that's a testament to the work and your obsession with this, uh, Sonia, to make exactly. sure we get, it, we get it done right. Yeah, 
yes, a little obsession goes a long way, I found, particularly <laughs> when you're trying to wrangle a lot of people to be in the same room. That's excellent. That's excellent. Sarnia, so, so tell us about an exciting project or focus that you're working on today. One of the things I'm really excited to be focusing on, and I think that adds up the community experience that I had at the health department with the nonprofit experience and then the you know healthcare systems experience I had prior to that, is I'm really fascinated by places in which healthcare institutions and communities are working in partnership around the challenges that both of them face. And so, you know, one example of this is when um, you might have questions about, you know, how to get patients to engage around different pieces of health information or when, you know, there's a desire to um, think more clearly about what types of advice to give a patient. There's one program that I've seen in different iterations in different communities across the country that actually thinks about, you know, who are the trusted messengers that patients might listen to? And so that could be folks from their local religious institutions. So people who are part of a congregation with that patient, or it could be a community center that that patient goes to. It could be that person's school. And thinking about the role of lay community health workers, um, as well as professional community health workers in being that support system for patients so that everyone's operating at the top of license and that, you know, inside of the hospital, within the acute care or chronic care settings, uh, people are able to focus on, okay, you know, here's what we need to do in order to get your health outcome from A to B. But then we're also acknowledging that patients live these full lives outside of the four walls of the clinic and that there are roles that can be played um, in terms of getting someone to the clinic or following up with someone about whether or not they took their medication or, you know, asking, checking in with someone about whether they understood the post op instructions that they got, thinking about weaving that complex mosaic of health support and healthcare together. I think that's something we're seeing a lot more of and I'm excited for further conversations about how we do that in a sustainable way. Love that. Yeah, it's it's key. And one of the things that uh, we, we've talked about on the podcast a lot is improving the user interface of the health system. And this is both for patients as well as uh, the caregivers and providers Improving the user interface is is crucial, and uh, Sonia, you're you're spending a lot of time doing this, and you're doing it successfully. So keep up the awesome work. Uh, you know, our, the people in this country are depending on what you do. Thank you, so I appreciate it. Absolutely. So getting close to the end here, Sonia, let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in the business of medicine and in, in social determinants of health. So I've got four questions for you, lightning round style followed by a favorite book. You ready? Great. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I'd say assume that you don't have all the answers. There's really deep wisdom in communities. And as patients have told me, social determinants for them aren't just an abstract concept or a new term for the sector or their lived realities. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I would say that there are ways to take existing work and build upon them and bridge across them rather than assuming that all innovation has to be brand new and out of the box or that we have to be stuck in kind of the old ways of the past. I've seen amazing things happen when people look at programs and pilots that they have in place already and just think about how it can be tweaked and customized uh, for a different question, a different frontier of healthcare. How do you stay relevant despite constant change? The biggest thing I would say is to listen. There are so many uh, 
changing parts and pieces of healthcare. And I think that it can feel really overwhelming at times. But I found that in organizations that really take the time to check in with you know, their employees, with their communities, with patients, with partners that they're working with on a variety of fronts, and think about what it might look like to really kind of envision health together, even though that sounds kind of abstract and pie in the sky, there are ways to do that that are uh, truly with an eye towards improving practice and making things more efficient and strategic. And so I think just listening and, and holding that as its own space can be huge. Love it. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? In our organization, one thing we're really focused on that the Democracy Collaborative does a great job of is, you know, thinking about what our true north is, right? So what is the ultimate outcome and vision for the healthcare anchor network? What are health systems driving towards? And we found that at the end of the day, this is about healthy and thriving communities. So we're not making decisions that are pushing us closer towards that, uh, then, you know, we're, we're not sticking to our North Star. Love it. What book would you recommend to the listeners? One book I really love is The American Healthcare Paradox, written by Betsy Bradley, who's now the president of Vassar, and Lauren Taylor, a student who was working with her at the time. And it does such a great job of really examining this paradox of why is healthcare in the U.S. so expensive, and yet our health outcomes still aren't where we want them to be. And they do a great comparative analysis of our peer countries and looking at not just, you know, the difference in how we spend healthcare dollars versus social services dollars, but what are the attitudes and the beliefs and the norms that undergird a lot of that discrepancy in spending. And so I think it's, you know, an amazing thing to read if you're inside of the healthcare sector to really kind of understand how it is that we have come to the reality and the work that we do today. Beautiful. What a great book recommendation. Definitely one that I'll be checking out. So folks, if you want a link to that book, a link to the democracy uh, organization that Sonia is a part of, go to outcomesrocket.health slash Sarkar as in Sonia Sarkar. You'll find all of our show notes there, as well as a full transcript of our discussion. This has been a blast, Sonia. I'd love if you could just share a closing thought with the listeners and then the best place where they could follow you or get in touch with you. Great. So one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about recently is the conversation around medical care, I think particularly can feel really complicated and divisive. It's you know very much about how do we spend our dollars and how do we believe that those dollars should then create return on investment for us. But one of the things that I found is that when you, uh, in addition to medical treatment, also talk to patients and their families and their communities about what health truly encompasses. The conversation opens in these you know, really interesting ways. So my former boss, Rebecca Oni, who's the founder of Meredith Health Leads, uh, recently launched the Health Initiative, which is looking at the places where we can come together nationally around health, regardless of political affiliation. And it turns out that when you define health as the ability to thrive, as the ability to be able to provide for your family and have food or shelter or a job, Americans actually agree on a lot more than they might think. So that gives me hope. And, uh, you know, I think it's something that we can all definitely invest some time in, in really sort of engaging with. Love that. No, it's a, it's a great reminder to the listeners, Sonia, that, yeah, health is, is actually deeper and more simpler. It starts with the vitality and, and health of, of communities, uh, financial health as well, wellness. Uh, so, so really appreciate that. And what would be the best place for folks to follow you or, or get in touch? Yeah, they can get in touch with me uh, at my email, which is ssarkar3 at jhu.edu. I look forward to hopefully connecting with some of your listeners. 
Outstanding, Sonia. Thanks again for spending time with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 